Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Good Morning New York. We are live here in New York City as Good Morning New York gets underway on this Tuesday morning. Mention the term millennial and you will, oh, this is going to be a fun show. Mention the term millennial. <laughs> here we and go. You may as well run for cover. The generation of young adults who came of age during the financial crisis and in the glare of social media, they're already high-fiving each other. I can't even get over this. Uh, and the glare of social media is both lauded for uh, embracing innovation and social responsibility and also known for being lazy and self-indulgent. If you look at research on millennials, they millennials. are not making decisions about where they're going to live in four years but they are making decisions about where they're going to live in the next 12 months. That, Don't be jealous, Vince. It's I'm okay. I'm very jealous. <laughs> that along with their well-documented deferral of marriage, family, and home buying, all trends that took off with the Generation X before them, has concerned some industry players. So we're going to find out what those concerns are. Also at this hour, we will look at what is trending in home renovations and interior design. We have an expert with us this morning, and we will break it all down. But first, I'd like to welcome my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening again to Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, it's all Jeff all the time. If you thought embarrassing photos of Jeff Bezos would dominate today's news cycle, think again. Amazon is apparently reconsidering, reconsidering its move to Long Island City just as we were catching up on the billionaire's allegation that a tabloid tried to blackmail him with pictures of something about him and his girlfriend. Another report revealed that Amazon is reconsidering its new headquarters to Long Island City. The Washington Post reports that no decision has been made but that the company is assessing alternatives amid opposition from local officials. Amazon could walk away, the newspaper notes, because it hasn't yet purchased office space or signed a lease. The news comes day, uh, days after a local senator uh, told critics of the company and the new headquarters that it may not happen and was named to a state board that could kill the deal. Governor Andrew Cuomo called opposition from state Democrats governmental malpractice. It remains to be seen if this is a real possibility or merely an elaborate drama intended to pressure New York officials and push back against naysayers. We will see about that very soon. Anyway, we have a new podcast that I talk about at the top of uh, every show lately. Uh, it's available from a very good friend of mine. Jeff Goodman is here today and he's going to talk about his new show, Rediscovering New York, on the talkradio.nyc network. He takes us through a different New York City neighborhood each week with historians and with his own impression as a native New Yorker himself. Very good content and worth a listen. The show airs live every Tuesday evening at 7, again on the uh, uh, talkradio.nyc network. And he is here also today, and we will talk to him about that. Our first guest, though, is Jenny Dina Kirshner. She comes from a family full of recognized designers and artists. After growing up in St. Louis, Jenny spent more than a decade obtaining her BFA, MA, and Associate's degree in multiple areas of fine art, design, and art education, all of which culminated with her moving to London to experience a different life and to study interior design. Jenny went on to work for design firms in London and New York before launching her own firm here locally, JDK Interior. She has since worked on dozens of residential projects from Manhattan apartments to beachfront Miami condos to one-of-a-kind spaces and townhouses in Brooklyn. Jenny and her work have been featured in highly regarded media outlets, including Architectural Digest, New York Magazine, Domino, and NBC's Open House New York. 
Um, she has participated in a number of prestigious industry events, including Housing Works, Design on a Dime, and Holiday House NYC, and is a recipient of the IFDA's Rising Star 2016 Award. She resides in Brooklyn with her husband and two daughters. I'm going to talk about that spectacular loft apartment that she bought a while ago and renovated. I've got two cents on that. That's It's incredible. I can only just imagine it looks magnificent in photos. I haven't seen it, but we're going to hear all about it. So, Jenny, you have developed a reputation as a fearless, okay, I love that word, fearless and innovative designer, mixing various aesthetics and styles together and layering rich uh, textiles, materials, and furnishings to create uh, unobvious interiors that never sacrifice your clients' visions of comfort. We all know how difficult it is to work with clients at times because everybody has their own taste, everybody has their own opinions, whatever. You seem to have nailed it. So how do you do that? Tell us how you do that. So I think a lot of it has to do with getting to know your clients. I get to know my clients really well. Um, It's a very personal relationship and it's about learning what their needs are and, you know, how they live and do they have children do they, you know, are they neat freaks? Are they sloppy? And it's, it's really learning a lot about their lifestyle and who they are and what they gravitate towards. And then I take all of that and I, you know, look at pictures of aesthetics and things that they like and interiors they like. And I try to push the envelope and put my spin on it um, and still, you know, make it livable for them. Million dollar question, though. Do they really know what they like? Usually they don't. Well, some of them do. Some of them know what they like. It is a good question. Um, I try to help them. So if a client doesn't know what they like or if I suspect they don't know what they like, we will look at images together. And that is, I mean, we're in a world of visual culture like that. That is you have Instagram, you have Pinterest, you have everything. So like you can really look at love so Pinterest. many different love things Pinterest, and we can nail down like, oh, oh, I really love this color. Or I love this mood or I love the feeling this provokes. You know, it's, it's a great, you know, they're great tools. All right. Let's let's talk about your place first, because that's going to incorporate a lot of your design uh, elements and, and, and how you do things. So when you first walked into your Brooklyn loft after an eight month apartment hunt in New York City and all of us here at the table can understand what an eight month you know, search for an apartment is all about, Mm -hmm. sometimes even longer. (laughs) We're lucky when it's shorter, but we sometimes go even longer. Uh, Looking for the perfect family home because you've got two kids and a husband. You said it was not an attractive space when you first walked into it. And again, all of us here sitting at the table can understand that and appreciate it, especially in that kind of a a loft style apartment. So why did you proceed? I mean, you walked in and you said what? So... Well, let me let me first start. Let me rewind a little bit. I um I love Street Easy. I am on Street Easy all the time. I mean, I need to know the market. Bill I want to be see. listening. I hope Phil. <laughs> Sorry, I, I want to know everything that's today. on the market. <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything on that. So one. I, <laughs> go right ahead. So go I ahead. so I first saw this listing on Street Easy, and I showed it to my husband, and of course we said, "Wow, this is this is a really strange space, and it was not an attractive space. It did not." been renovated but it wasn't but it was clean it wasn't you know a dump and i said we need to go see this but the so, bones but the bones were there from what you could the bon- see the, from what i could see the bones were there okay it's in so, prospect heights it's in prospect heights right near the barclay center what kind of a building is it a row house of brownstone it is, is no it's a condo building it was converted it used to be the daily news factory oh yes uh, yes uh, yes it's called uh, the Newswalk. shout out to the Newswalk. Um, so, so we, so we walked in the door and I literally turned around. My husband was behind me. 
you know, with my kids trailing behind him. And I turned around and I looked at him and I just whispered that we are going to buy this place. And I turned around and I just walked in. It, you know, it has tremendous ceiling height. I saw it as a blank canvas. Well, it's a triplex. It is. It has height of a triplex. Yes. Um, I, I just, I was blown away by the light. I just didn't see any of the unattractiveness that was there. And I said, this has to be, I'm, I'm going to do crazy things in here. So, so reading, reading about your, your restoration or renovation or whatever you want to call it, crazy things, that's not a bad crazy thing. Building like things. Hey, crazy building hey, things. Hey. Let's say crazy, crazy renovations. Crazy things <laughs> is not a bad thing. But, but I read somewhere along the line, and correct me if I'm not right, but you don't like walls you, you, or you do not believe in walls. So I can only imagine I think that Wendy Goodman may have said that in her article. Um, I, but, but she was a little bit – she was right. I, um, I mean, I did see some glass, so that, that's sort okay, of Okay, so I, I really love – light. I like natural light. During the day, my lights are off and, and thank goodness I have so much natural light that I can do that. I, um, there are huge I, I windows wanna, in, that, in the old Daily News. There are. We have we have a lot of big windows. Um, but I I don't like walls where they're not necessary and and I also don't like doors where they're not necessary. Well, <laughs> I let use me pocket ask, doors all the time. Well, let me, all right, so pocket doors. Doors get in the way. Because doors I was going to say, because you've got two kids and a husband, so I mean you have to have some kind of wall and some kind of door, mm-hmm. you know, but pocket doors, I forgot about that. That that makes sense. I actually like them, too, much better than opening a door that interferes with Lord knows what exactly. most of the time. How do you tackle – so how did, So what You know, what, what comes first to you when you look at this space and you, you, you have vision? Obviously, it's your, your, your um, creative mm-hmm. person. When you look at the space, where did you – how do you decide what to do first? I'm always amazed at how you guys really look at a structure, say it's terrible, need to open it up, need to do a lot of things, but – where do you start? So I personally start, you know, I need to see the space and then I need to see the space on paper. I need to see plans and I start to just play with the walls. Literally, I will take walls away. I will take doors away. I will play with the, you know, with, with all these plans and, and go back and forth, get in the space, sit there, look at it, look around. And then I start with some point of inspiration and, um, and for me, a lot of that inspiration will come from color and it might come from like a piece of marble, like a marble slab, which mine, my inspiration came from in my apartment. Okay. So I've heard that before. So you look yeah. at a, you look at a piece of marble and you say what? Okay. I'm going to design around this piece. Yes, exactly. I will go a to the stone A friend of mine yard. did that with a piece yeah. of hardwood floor, a white oak, you know, wide plank floor and ended up designing their loft. Based on that, and I find that interesting because you can go in so many directions with that. How do you kind of know where to go? I think that it, a lot of it is intuition and the you know the talent, the, the natural talent that a designer has is to look at something, let's say whether it's a rug or a marble slab, and just be inspired and say, "I'm going to pull the olive green out of that slab," or "I'm going to pull the." you know, the white or the black or the, the turquoise or the orange, whatever you see in that. And, and then you kind of start building upon that. I need turquoise drapes. I decided that a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> we I'm can, on a, I can help you with that. Drape. I can okay. help you with well, that. We'll talk there about that for sure. I, 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 I don't agree with you. I've seen your apartment. I don't agree with you. Neon green in the... What had you come to that realization? Because I have orange right now and I'm tired of looking at them. I really want turquoise. 
Orange and turquoise no, together? No, 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 no. Okay. I want <laughs> really orange. Jenny will make it work if that's the Miami. I he wants the Miami dolphins in his apartment. I want a Miami look and feel. I, do, I want a little lighter kind of, you know, springy coming up, hopefully. And just a little, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm so glad you said that. Uh, let's talk quickly about flea markets. So uh, what are your thoughts on flea markets? Because I know a lot of decorators, a lot of interior designers, a lot of, you know, talented people look at flea markets and say, oh, no, why, why would you do that? Really? I, I mean, I'm the I opposite. I can I live too. in a flea market. I <laughs> mean, I like saying that I'm a kid in a candy store is a, a really an understatement. I can spend days at a good flea market, walking the same aisles and I'm find different things every too. time. Yeah, I, I come home with truckloads of things. Yeah. That's going to kill me. We have to take a break. I'm going to tr- talk more about flea markets on the other side of the break. You are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety right, uh, Channel. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their product. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, I'm sorry we're posing for pictures. We, <laughs> we really are. We, you, you need to understand, Matthew Cohen's mother is here with us today. Yes, right next to me, and yes. we're so excited that she's on board with us today. She's a New Yorker, but she never comes Get to the show. Get her a mic. So next time she'll have a mic. Anyway, we're here with, <laughs> we're here with the panel, Anna Shagalaw from Halstead, Noah Kaplan Ew. from uh, Nestle International, Niall Lundgren from Compass, Matthew Cohen from CORE, Jeff Goodman is here today from Halstead, and Jordan Shea from Douglas Element with his new the haircut. Jordan Shea. Nice. Jordan, Jordan Garrett Shea. Ladies, he's available, and with his short hair, he looks wonderful today. <laughs> wee, wee, wee. <laughs> All right, anyway, more with Jenny for a little bit. So I, I want to talk a little bit about flea markets. You, like me, like flea markets. So tell me what you find in flea markets that you can use in people's homes. I've said this for years, and people say, but that's from a flea market, Vince. Who wants that in the house? I'm like, well, I do. 
Well, I think it's all about the mix. I mean, it's finding that right balance and not having, you know, too much, you know, crap from a flea market, but, you know, making that, you know, making those things look special and feel special and, you know, revitalizing them. And I mean, I find amazing accessories at flea markets, things that are old. They they bring character. Um, I love mixing the old and the new. When you have too much new, you lose character, you lose personality. And, you know, we're people. We have, everyone has lives and, you know, even bringing your own nostalgia and your own personal items and, you know, finding other people's things at flea markets and kind of making them your own and repurposing. I think it's it's fabulous. It's fun. It's exciting. I, I agree. You you also said on ABC News uh, in an interview a couple of years ago that you have a, a vintage chair fetish. Yes. Oh, she Tell does. I that. do. I, I do. I have, Tell us about that. I mean, I have like, a, with the insane ceiling height I have in my apartment, I built storage that's, you know, like on the lower level, you know, under the mezzanine, it's like 13 and a half feet or 14 feet. I have storage above everything. And I literally have chairs being stored up there from flea markets. So um, you buy chairs to store them. I just know <laughs> I love I mean, I haven't used them yet. I have no use for them yet, but I will. I'll but use them. I'll use them. In some, <laughs> I like that. I'll have they one. will not live there forever. So I love Marie Kondo. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think that, you know, chairs, I don't know why I gravitate towards chairs, but there are so many interesting, unique designs that are old and you don't find those anymore. Um, or they you find knockoffs need, of you, knockoffs. And, as you say, they just need a little TLC. Exactly. So what do you do just, with that? What, what do you do with them? So I, I reupholster them. Maybe I refinish them, um, what, you know, whatever I need to do. And they take on a totally new life. All right. So what what in 2019, February we are in 2019 is trending in interior design these days? I mean, we, we tend to go back and forth, you know, with different designs and, and stuff. What's trending right now? What are you hearing most from your client base? Um, I well, I, I will say that I try to stay away from trends personally. Um, and, you know, I just think that. People need to do what they love and they need to be true to that. And even for clients, you know, they don't need to have necessarily the most trendy, latest thing that's out there because they're living there and, and they don't want to get tired of it. Friends pass. But, but I will say that there there is a little bit of this trend to to maybe go away from trends. I think that that is becoming a trend. And, you know, I think that anything goes at this point. Um, there's this big, you know, People have been mixing the old and the new now. Um, they're becoming more comfortable with it. It's something I've been doing for a long time since I've been designing. But it's starting to become, you're seeing a lot more of it. Um, and I think that people are becoming a lot more comfortable with it. I think also just the flea market idea. I think a trend these days, to your point, is just not the new. I, you see much more like kitschy exactly. kind of things exactly. out there. You know, I, I live on 25th right next to a flea market and there's a line to get in every Saturday. I love Saturday. that flea market. Yeah. I, so that's a great flea it's, market. it's definitely a trend. Can I, can I just say, because I'm chomping at the bit, I've been in her apartment. And, and when you ask the trend question... Jenny actually said exactly what I was going to jump in to say is that I don't think that you are anywhere near a trend follower. As a matter of fact, I think she's a trailblazer. I, I walked into her apartment and not only is everything so functional, but everything is unique. Literally, as you walk through, every everywhere you look, I think I literally said everywhere I looked, oh my God, where did you get that? Oh my God, how did you know that these two things could go together? She has in her mezzanine level a red 
flannel, bread and black flannel plaid chair next to like a floral arrangement, something. Oh, I love looks, you. I love you, And Anna. it Thank looks you. amazing. It, it works. It's a kind of, it's a kind of, it's a kind of home where you would walk through and say, oh my God, I would never have the courage to do all of this, right. but well, you've done it. Well, that's what it is. It's a lot and, of courage. And I mm-hmm. wish I could do that in my own home, but I wouldn't even, I'd be terrified. How do you do that with two kids? Well, I have two lovely daughters who um, are really careful and cautious. <laughs> I can only <laughs> um, just imagine. But, but you, know what, you know what? Things, things do break. Things do break. And I think you have to, it, it's, it's saying it's not getting too attached. It's ultimately they're material things and you get over it and things are replaceable or you live with them, you know, broken or stained. And Want to babysit to my jet for a weekend? No, thank you. <laughs> that would be traumatic. Only after a bath. Only after yeah. a bath. <laughs> I have enough with my ticket. Well, listen, so let's talk about backsplashes, okay? Because, yes. you know, for the longest time, you know, um, they were kind of trending one way. Now, all of a sudden, they're going in a different direction. Where were they and where are we today with backsplashes? So, I think, you know, I, I would say there's a big trend of... Um, of moving more towards bringing marble or the stone, whatever material is used, whether it's a porcelain, up on the backsplash Up from now. the countertop? Yes, that is definitely a big trend. It has been. We're still seeing that. Um, again, personally, I... I am infatuated with natural stones. So for me, I always want my My countertops and my marble. And I do use marble. I am not afraid of it at all. And I, you know, I do try to encourage clients to use it. So I want the focus on that. And I try to make my backsplashes disappear more um, or become more integrated or, you know, just more clean. So they're not as ornate and colorful as they were for uh, four or five years. For me, they're not. For me, they're not. And I think think right now there is a trend going away. Away from that, or I, there has been a trend I, going away I would, from that. I would agree with that because yeah. I also like that myself. You know what's incredible though is that while the backsplashes kind of disappear, mm. ask her about her foyer tiling, like her floor tiling or her bathroom tiling, because there's there's I don't know about always, but most of the time there's like this accent wall that's so mosaic and ornate and like something I've, you've just never seen before. It's incredible. I think Good Morning New York is going to go on a field trip. Yes, oh, come over. Yeah. Yeah. I'll host. I'll host uh, in the morning. Absolutely, I would right? We bring it. all the equipment there. Yeah. Yeah. Can we do a live broadcast from Jenny's too? Definitely. <laughs> there you go. Anything. Talk about the tile. All right. So design on a dime. Not everybody can afford to have a full-fledged renovation, an interior designer, an architect, a decorator, you know, everything that, that is involved, you know, in in that kind of, you know, project. So a lot of people talk about this design on a dime. I'm going to go, maybe it's a flea market. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's something else. But how do people with a very limited budget change their place or make their place look so much more inviting or very different from what it was, you know, before. How can people do this without spending a lot of money? I think with you can do that. You can achieve that easily with accessories, um, whether it's going to a flea market. You could even go shop at Design on a Dime um, because they have fabulous, fabulous items and home goods that are a fraction of the cost for, you know, even what designers' prices are. Um, and changing, you know, a rug or finding something that's special that is, yeah. you know, that has color or that's a different, you know, aesthetic, a different style and kind of swapping that in and swapping in some different accessories and leaving the bigger pieces. You can get a different look and freshen things up in an easy way that's not super expensive. 
I was saying it's all about mixing and matching. I mean, how many people in, in New York, you know, mix Ikea with restoration hardware? Like, it happens all the time. I, I mean, Definitely. I know when we were talking well, about... Well, Ikea has really come around lately, too, yeah, so that's, it's a lot better than... But it's still be. really cheap. I mean, they yeah. have an increased prices for what they're doing, and, and the whole idea of planning it on one piece, yeah. you know, I designed my apartment off of my couch. Like, I found this gorgeous, you know teal tufted couch right finding that, that was, one special thing right and i was like i'm gonna splurge on this with the MC and then i pillow. mix it with a lot of different things yeah yeah <laughs> and it's mixing it's finding the right combination so that you're not using too much of you know the inexpensive items and and finding those special unique things whether it's that teal sofa or like a really special rug or a real, really special pillows that you're gonna teal spend drapes, on teal drapes Let's teal drapes teal drapes teal drapes turquoise turquoise or teal gonna happen this year all right so let, let's talk <laughs> let's talk about what um what you're doing currently what is what is one of you one or two or multiple of your projects all about today and what types of projects do you like best do you like full-on renovations or you just like to improve stuff or improve spaces I definitely love, love full-on renovations where I can really start from scratch and, and get my hands on it from the very beginning because then it has a very authentic and, um, you know, very thoughtful feeling to it. Um, I'm, I work on residential projects and I'm, I'm working on so many different things and um, from very big gut jobs to, to, you know, helping people with kitchen renovations and, you know, just redesigning their family rooms and things like that. And are kitchens like the biggest, the biggest, um, you know, item on, on a renovation list? And because sometimes people don't do kitchens for obvious reasons, because they're very expensive. And sometimes they only do kitchens. And, um, I think as a real estate agent, as I go through lots and lots of apartments, most kitchens need complete renovations and complete updates because they, they just do it's different times. Uh, and they show um, very old more than anything else that an apartment does, in my opinion. So whether you're doing a lot of kitchen stuff or not. I, I do a lot of kitchens. Um, I, I, I don't get called in just to do kitchens um, very often, okay. but I do a lot of kitchens. And it's, it's for sure, updating kitchens and bathrooms can make a world of difference for an apartment. I mean, you all know you're in real estate, and that's definitely like when you're selling a, a new, uh, selling a space – People usually want to do that. They want to update those things. And the floors. And the floors. Floors are biggie for me, yeah. Like, when yeah, you floors. walk into an apartment, the first thing I look at are floors. And if they're in bad shape, it just takes away, I think, from my overall impression of what the rest of the apartment's going to look like. And even though the you floors say, are a relatively easy thing that you can I was can just going to say that. They, they, if, really they, yes. if, they, if they have yeah. enough wood left to be sanded. That's that's if a very good that's a big right. misconception They're, about yeah. floors being the biggest pain. Because in a lot of these not. newer They're developments not. with these, you know, what I call plastic floors, you can only sand them down one or two times, and that's the end of that. Right. You can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know, these laminated floors or whatever. But yeah. you're talking real hard engineered, floors, yeah. engineered wood. Yeah, if you're talking real hardwood floors, you can take them down multiple times. I live in a building from the 20s, um, and I don't know, several years ago they were taken down yet again just to make them look nice and clean and shiny, and you can still do that. You know, the only kind of shave a little bit off the top. But floors are a biggie. What what else other than than floors in Europe? And we've got about 30 seconds left. What's the big, biggest hot item these days that people call you for? If it's not kitchens, not bathrooms, I mean, just to update everything. Yeah, really. Style. <laughs> just, yeah, Style. people call me. They want. They really want change. People who call me, it's not. And, and you know, 
I'm not looking, they're not looking to just replace their bedding or, you know, get some new pillows. Right. They're looking for like really a full blown job, whether it's just the kitchen and family room or whether it's the entire house. All right. Quickly staging. Do you help agents like us uh, stage apartments or do you kind of stay away from that? Cause that's a whole different, you know, it mindset. is a whole different mindset, different ball game. I'm open to it, but I, I haven't really done, you know, I haven't been that into it <laughs> yeah okay well, it's different it's different it's really different yeah, yeah. well let's say it's, it's, it's very different it's creative it can be creative it the can problem, be the problem i and see with it is people you know owners don't want to spend the money to stage an apartment especially if they're already living in it other than to just dust up a few things and and move a few things around they really don't want to spend a lot of money doing that yeah they don't but i also think that staging for real estate is a little bit different than you know, then styling, let's say, an interior for some for very, very for different. a magazine or for a client. It, they're you different. have to be so much more generic, and I don't yes. think generic is anywhere near your style. And it's it doesn't generic and sparse. Sorry. I find that it's a little bit mm-hmm. yeah sparse. sparse. Yeah. Well, sparse can for be, me. Well, yeah, I'm not into sparse. Go ahead, John. Uh, Jeff. Jeff, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My last name being Goodman, it's not a My Goodman. throat hurts. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> an apartment doesn't have to look like, doesn't have to be staged, like it looks like a, it's an apartment in Architectural Digest for it to sell well and for someone to walk in and say, Absolutely. this would be exactly. a beautiful home. Exactly. Absolutely. Although but, if it does, it's But great, I want to do that. I want, the arch- I want to make it look like it's ready for Architectural Digest. All right. We're out of time. We have to go to break. This is uh, Jenny Kirshner from JDK Interiors. Your website is? jdkinteriors.com and there you go look Thank her up you. she's fantastic we're live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City we're going to go to break and come back right after this stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York, real estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. Jenny's going to stick around with us. We have Anna Shagalov, Noah Kaplan, Niall Lundgren, Matthew Cohen, Jeff Goodman, and Jordan Shea. And my throat is not working well today, so please excuse me. Anyway, hello, everybody. Hello. Hey, good morning, hello. How are you? Hello. Okay, lots to get to today. Let's talk about mortgages. Mortgage demand continues to recover sharply after ending last year in the basement. Total mortgage application volume rose 13.5% last week. Compared with the previous week, and this according to the Mortgage Bankers Association's Seasonally Adjusted Index. That is the highest level since last February and came after 23, uh, a 23% jump the previous week. Volume was uh, just 0.5% lower than a year ago. Refinance demand, of course, uh, drove those gains with those applications rising 19% for the week. So people are refinancing. 
uh, rates have changed. So what are we what are we looking at right now in the mortgage in the for the mortgage business? What are the futures for our clients when it comes to uh, their getting loans? What's well, happening? Mortgage rates are down now. They're a little bit less than four and a half percent. And uh, you know the amateur economist in me thinks that mortgage rates uh, probably are not going to go up in the near future. I mean, there, there are questions about how, uh, if the economy is going to continue to boom, if there's going to be challenges having to do with the trade co- challenges that we have right now. And the long-term capital markets are reflecting uh, that they don't think there's going to be the kind of inflation that they thought uh, six months ago. Yeah, well, well, interest rates have come down, and it's interesting, interesting because the, the economy is uh, in very good shape. And so we wondered, you know, for a while last year why rates were going up anyway. But, you know, they talk about, you know, inflation and, and trying to, you know, head that off. So what are our, what are our buyers thinking about that? I've, I've got a deal in contract. Actually, no, that, yeah, a deal in contract that, that is financing. Uh, and they're getting a very good rate. And I just closed one last week at 3.2%, seven, ten year. Interest only. Ten year. Arm? Yeah. Ten-year arm, yeah, three point two percent. So great I'm thinking rate. that's a great rate. I haven't seen a rate like that in a very long time. So there's a lot of panic about it going up, and then all of a sudden it came down. I mean, right, and and the reason I ask is because hold on a minute, Matt, because because buyers really you know get kind of sketchy when it comes to you know I should do this, I should not do this, I should do this, I shouldn't. Rates are up, rates are down. Now I'm now now I'm frightened. I don't know where they're going to go. Matt, you were going to say something. <laughs> I love being directed by you. Oh. Um, no, I, I always think it's interesting in, in the city because you would think that when rates are rising, that they there you know there's more of an urgency and people really really want to take advantage of it. But I've actually found throughout the years that it's the opposite. I've found that when rates stabilize and when the Fed announces things like they're not going to raise them for this amount of time. People actually have more of a, you know, positive outlook on on the market and also on the government. And, and I think that it makes them more comfortable in terms of putting in an app and just buying in general. So that's yeah, my take. Yeah, a plateaued trend gives people confidence that it's going to stay this way. They're not going to get a worse rate and they're not going to get a better rate. They're going to get the same rate, which enables them and empowers them to stop wondering. I mean, this like paralyzed by choice thing. At this point, there is no choice. It's going to be this number now. Now you can buy. Are we seeing more buyers financing these days, or are there still a lot of cash out there? You know, that old cash is king. I see both. Seeing, both. I'm seeing both yeah, a combination also. combination yeah. of both. Non-contingent yeah. deals. Yeah, but I mean, total. with the rates being what they are, just as Jordan said, I mean, that, that the plateau with the market declining the way it is, I mean, having buyers on the sidelines is just silly. They're, they're just... It also depends who the Absolutely. buyers are. A lot of you know, many first-time home buyers don't buy for cash; they do finance. Yeah. Um, uh, even those where the times, yeah, yeah, when uh, their parents are helping them out with the with the substantial uh, assistance in the down payment. Yeah, I was going to ask borrow. you at what price point. So, first-time buyers, that's perfect. Go ahead. Uh, and uh, the three uh, listings I have that are in contract, uh, they're all financing and they're all first-time home buyers. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of gifting right now because people are aware that now is the season to be active here. in the market yeah. and yeah. they know they have about, you know, 12 to 18 months to start doing something and with lease expirations and people expanding their plans, people are not necessarily sinking money into a move and a broker fee and first last month and one month security, people are like, okay, I can use this towards a down payment and get my parents to give me some money. That, I'm showing that. to so many parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that are that are. Oh, gifting. the family. Yeah. Oh my um, God, crash yeah. a deal. Bring the family. That's terrible. But the old the old rent to buy you know scenario makes sense because mm-hmm. you you start adding up all these rental fees 
you start adding up all the broker fees, et cetera, it does make sense to purchase. And um, uh, I, I'm seeing in at least, you know, that I lo- that I see every day, they, uh, better activity and more people are making that decision. And I do see a split between all cash and uh, and financing. And because of the decrease in the market, I think it's really interesting that, you know, over the last years, I, I find that more intellectual buyers will always talk about, you know, well, I can, you know, I can put this amount of money into real estate, but I could, also, I could also put this amount of money into like, you know, fixed income or certain stocks and bonds and whatever. And what is the, you know, rate of return on it all? And now with the decreased market mixed with the good mortgage rates, you can do both. Like people really like doing both. You see people mm-hmm. refinancing. I think that was a big fact that you pointed out. Was that what, 23% of the, the mortgage uh, applications where refinance is going to what Jordan is saying is that correct. they might just end up staying um, in their apartment for longer and just refinancing and just paying a lower rate. Yeah, that refinance market is always kind of interesting. And through the years, you know, we've all seen ups and downs with that. Who finances, who stays, refinances rather and stays, who doesn't. Uh, it's really it, it's really rate driven. And, you know, I have to t- say, you know, when a lot of the banks are all getting a lot of the banks are either getting a lot more competitive, I think, than they ever were before. And some are writing loans where you wouldn't think they would even touch. That's what got us into the crisis in the first place well, in 2008. Well, that's my so concern. That's my concern. And I was going to say that because beware, because, you know, if you can't qualify, don't qualify, think twice. Stay but away. They're getting loose again. They're getting a little loose again. But, you know, let, let's, um, let's see where that goes. Anyway, on the heels of that, we're going to talk about millennials. The term millennial um, may make you want to run for cover. Oh, I just love this segment. (laughs) The generation of young adults who came of age during the financial crisis and in the glare of social media, and I really say more in the glare of social media than the financial um, crisis. You know, um, so they are very smart individuals. Let's let's underscore that. Very, very smart. Probably a smarter group of people than I've seen, you know, in, in all of my life. However, they can be criticized for being a little lazy and self-indulgent. Self-indulgent <laughs> is the one I really Come love. Come on. No. Us? Me? Entitled? Never. Not my guys here. Not my guys here. But the sheer numbers that make up the millennials, they were born between 81 and 87. It's impossible to ignore. You're a great segment of people out there. But the concern is that they're not thinking, you know, long term about where they're going to live, where they're going to invest their money, how they're going to, you know, make retirement, you know, funds available when those days come. They're really thinking more short term in their housing needs than ever before. So I remain curious and I and I we we talk about this from time to time on the show. Why why aren't millennials thinking more in a long term you know, head about real estate, about investment, buying a piece of the rock. I mean, from when I'm in my early 20s, I remember my dad always saying, buy a piece of the rock, buy your first piece but of did real you? estate. I did. I did. So 29. most of the 20, 20 somethings I knew back then did not. They couldn't, they didn't want to be. I was 29. So, I mean, when you talk about millennials, they're still young. I mean, yes. there's still no reason for them to really settle down. So, well, except when and, the parents come in to Well, play. that's different. And a lot that's, of millennials that's different. do that's, come looking that's for a different, homes. That's, that's a different scenario. That's different. I mean, I, Very true. I, I mean, I'll use myself an ex- as an example. I'm, I'm on my <laughs> fifth apartment in the city. Um, you know, I... You're ex- I, you are extraordinarily <laughs> wonderful exception to the rule. But, but, but my my last, you know, my last apartment... Lori, I would I like owned. a microphone right now. <laughs> yeah, right. My, uh, my last apartment... Mom is saying, no, 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 no. So, so my last apartment I owned, and, and I 
sold it, um, you know, a few months ago. And people always ask me, you know, you only lived there for a year and a half. I can't believe you didn't own it for longer. And, and you know, I said, I, I took an opportunity when I had it. I, I think that you never, I think a big thing with millennials is you live in New York City for a reason. And New York City is a city of change, in my yeah. opinion. And so why not keep up with the change of New York? Like, change is exciting. And there's just always opportunities. And, and I'm a millennial that I didn't have, you know, no offense mom I didn't have parents who were helping me ever so it was one of those things you know it was one of those things where like it was actually it was it was actually nice because I didn't have voices in the back of my head telling me what to do I I was really doing my own thing independent yeah and a boy Matt what had you decide to sell after a year and a half you don't mind me asking. That's a that, that that's a pretty short time frame to sell a home. Yeah, I um I, I bought a sponsor unit a few years ago, and uh, the sponsor actually offered to to you know buy it back from me, and it was a specific opportunity that I had, and um I loved my apartment, but I also don't mind change, and 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 it was an inter- it's an interesting time in the market. It was and a I good opportunity. It was a good opportunity for him at the right time. You know, it doesn't always happen that way, but it happened. You know, to work out for him. But I, I'm just curious though, because you know, again, coming from where, and I'm a lot older than than the millennials said here, but you know, long term thinking, retirement. I remember my my parents always, you know, you know, instilling in us retirement. Make sure you get a good pension. Make sure you're working for a company. You know that that's going to pay you well in your retirement age. Buy something now, so by the time you do retire, it's paid off, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, when you think back, sometimes you think, well, really? But that's that's the head that I grew up with. Today, it's kind of like, you know, those long-term decisions are put off, and I'm just wondering, you know, what drives that? I'm flexibility. Not sure I, I think a lot that. of the a lot of the young younger millennials are looking for flexibility. You know, if, if I have a finance client, you know, they're going to buy in New York because I believe and they believe that they're going to stay there. Some of the younger folks who are in the technology sector that work for companies that are in New York and also in San Francisco, for example, you know, they say, why, why would I buy right now? I can get relocated. And I've seen that a couple of times. I have friends that worked at yeah. LinkedIn that were, you know, thought they were going to be there. And then they're next thing you know, they're in San Francisco. I think it also depends on if, if you're going to talk about finance. I think it's, it depends on like where in finance you work. You know, if you're a hedge fund guy, you're traveling a lot. So you're not even here that much. I mean, people and Niall's right. Like people like flexibility. Millennials love to travel and they don't want to sure. be stuck in one place or feel the, you know, and feel buying, the responsibility of staying one place. That. Right. And, and so well, it, it, it grounds you. It's more permanent. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And right. because millennials do so much like travel whenever yeah. they can, they, they, I actually find that most of my friends in their 20s and low 30s don't have a lot saved and, and they're really you know they spend a lot of money whereas yeah. like I like to have a very you know rich cash flow and I, I like to have uh, like I like I have a great SEP account like that's that's and that's like very you know I th- I don't know I'm different in that way but I know a lot of millennials who don't put money into their SEPs or into their retirement accounts. Well, Vince, you like I, I told you, you're very extraordinary. You're our absolutely extraordinary millennial, and we love you dearly. Well, Vince, you and I are of a, a similar generation. Yes, they can all remember, be my children. They can all be my children. And I remember That's why I when, love them all so much. They can all be my children. <laughs> when, when, we Vince, when we were the age that millennials are now, uh, many of the people that we knew had the same experience that Matt was describing with absolutely. his friends. We didn't, you know, I, when I was in my 20s, I certainly didn't have a lot of money. I like to travel around. No, I had it I in my, in my, my apartment. Home. I own my apartment. So the, the cash flow... Uh, Aside from what Matt was just saying, was kind of limited because I was paying the mortgage, I was paying the this, you know, whatever. That then was more important. I have to tell you something, you know, I, I tease the millennials on a regular basis, but I do agree with them. I think that if I were doing that today uh, and seeing where I was and where they are today, I would agree with the flexibility. I would agree with putting things off a little bit more. 
than jumping into from a very young age but because I, I see the differences and they, they, they work. It makes sense to me. But I don't see how that Even differs. Even though I tease them. I don't see how that differs from any other generation of that same age group. Right. I mean, I was the same way. The, the difference that I see is that millennials think bigger for what they want in the moment. So the, the right. self-indulgent right. stuff. Right. I mean, we... Right. We thought big, but we didn't do big. You know, we wanted to do a lot of big. Oh, I thought we, big. But, and, and yeah, we thought big. <laughs> I think, you know, Vince, you mentioned. But uh, millennials uh, are like really living a life out, out in the world absolute, as opposed to like just here in New York. Absolutely. But, in a, know it was but you do. But like it sounds like we're living in a wild way. I do think that millennials are smart about it. No, no, no. I, like, I, I, yeah, I, I think that like I don't find that many mindset. millennials no, who are spending a ton of money like are in debt. I don't find any yeah. of them are in debt. Yeah, no, no, no. I so wouldn't say you're living on a mile away. No, well, go ahead. That might be because a lot of the millennials, you know, excuse me, millennials are moving to the city and might, I don't know, just are pretty better with their money. But I, I tend to think my sense, and again, I don't know if I'm correct about this, but my sense is that social media uh, and especially Instagram, a lot there's a lot of depression out there because you're comparing yourself against other people and all the photos are curated, all the photos are projections of what people want to be versus what they are. And I think that fuels, I've got to have it now, I've got to have these things, I've got to buy these things. I don't care. Like if I if I get the fifty thousand dollar account manager job at the at my first job, I'm gonna buy the the lattes. I'm gonna do all those things, and I'm gonna rent, and I'm gonna not necessarily live within my means. And hopefully, it'll it'll work out in the long run. So I definitely think that's happening as well. Okay, we got to take a break. This is Good Morning New York on the Voice America uh, Variety Channel. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, we are back. about sideways. With my panel. Yeah, I, I said <laughs> if you don't keep it in control, it can very easily go sideways. For sure. My children. Oh, there's my new line. My children, all of you. All right, how can we... Even, want- even me, Vince? Well, if you want to be. How can you compare today's market? How can you compare today's market versus the two, uh, the twenty? Uh, I'm sorry, the 2008 financial meltdown. We we alluded to that a little earlier today. So where are we today compared to that? I mean, that was a very uh, short-lived crisis, if you want to if you want to use the term short-lived. 
we are in an 18 to almost two-year kind of slowdown, not quite sure. No one really understands what the hell is going on with this marketplace or when it's going to turn or even why. The, the question of what's happening, why is this, et cetera. No one has an answer. The How cir- do we compare? The circumstances of today's market are so vastly different than 2008. And it makes it really makes no sense why we're in a downward facing market. When, when the economy is strong, employment is, is at an all-time high, unemployment's low. I mean, it, it really kind of doesn't make sense, except for the fact that we really were due for a correction. There was, you know, in 2008, or even in 2001, obviously, it was September 11th, there was a legitimate thing that happened. There's not a legitimate thing thing that happened this time. You know, 9-11 happened. In 2008, Lehman happened. Like, it's so, something happened, you know, everything went down. Now, it's more of like a progression of, we were in need for a little correction. We were in a major, major bubble, and... I personally just think it has to do with the obscene monthlies in a lot of areas in the city with mixed with overbuilding. And a lot of abatements are, are coming to fruition now, so those uh, monthlies are very, very high to Matt's point. That's a very good point, Anna. So what what are we hearing with um, people who that we've sold in the past to buildings where their abatements are coming to uh, conclusion? What are they looking at? Are they looking to sell? Are they looking to keep it? Are they looking to you know, do something else? They're What's talking to their that? boards about uh, hiring Certiori to get their tax bills reduced. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm involved I'm, in one of those on the east side, trust me. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a closing last week, uh, you know, an apartment I sold in the building on its last year of its abatement, and, and I got all my numbers right, but at the closing, the buyers were still really surprised by the increase in taxes that there was almost a credit because they fought with management so much. And at the end of the day, it was actually their attorney's fault because he didn't do proper due diligence. But it's it's a problem. I think it's going to be a problem that we keep seeing. I, I agree. So it's it's also been my impression that buyers are feeling less pressure. So deals are taking longer to close. Is this true? I've, I've, I'm seeing it. It's kind of like, oh, I signed the contract, what's the big deal? What's the rush? But getting them to sign a contract was one one thing, and then it's like, well, you know, we'll close. Don't worry about it. We're going to close. Why? I mean, why, why, do, why do they feel like there's less pressure? I mean, they're already committed to they the know They have all the control right now. They know they oh. have options. They know that they're going to renegotiate at the last minute anyway, and they're probably going to get their number. They know all of that. So until competition comes in, which they may not even believe that the competition is real, um, they're they're running the show. Outside, uh, sorry, I was just say outside of this room, I'm having coffee with one of my favorite people in the industry, Stephen Kramer. If anyone knows, he was at Element for a long time. Now he's at Corcoran. We're, I'm right here. I know. Well, outside of this room, um, and he and I, <laughs> we were talking the other day, and how you know, just every deal in this market is a struggle. Like not, you know, for better or worse, I actually like markets like this because the struggle makes it more interesting. Like who's, it's just not exciting when you're in that like bidding war, everything's so smooth. Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it also, you know, um, the really great brokers rise to the occasion. We add value to something that, that people don't understand. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that's what's going on in the market. I think just every deal, no matter how big or small, it's just, there's a lot more road bumps than usual. I teach um, contracts of sale. One of the classes I teach in, 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 in continuing education, real estate school. And I have to tell you, one of the funny su- funniest subjects or conversations that come up all the time uh, are, you know, sellers often forget to disclose about inclusions and exclusions up front 
when a deal is made. Okay. And I always say, and I elicit responses from the brokers in the class. So, you know, what is your observation? What have you seen? What have you heard? What are your experiences? It can become critical to, um, to situations or to contract signing. Inclusions and exclusions. Okay. So if you don't decide what you're keeping in your apartment or what you're taking in your apartment when you do a deal with a buyer, you're going to have lots of problems going forward. And sometimes you could have a contract that ends up not getting signed because someone forgot to discuss what's staying and going. It's up to the broker to bring up that conversation. Yes, thank you. And to make sure that they're bullet pointing everything that they're offering. And the deal sheet needs to have all of that information. Others don't know what they're, they don't know. They don't know. And we listing agents, we have to be meticulous about that, especially if the seller wants to take something that's attached uh, or if the buyer... Fixture, if it's a fixture. If you need a screwdriver to remove it, it's a fixture. So that's a... But it could be a family heirloom and you're you're welcome to take it, but you have to replace it. You can't have wires hanging there. How many times have you... I I can't even count on the amount of times I fought over chandeliers, okay? Chandeliers... 100%. But I also, I think that if you're teaching a class, I think you should teach brokers... What Ask defines questions. inclusions and exclusions? Because I find that a lot of brokers don't even know what makes an apartment as is. You like are, they don't know. You are a hundred percent. I can't tell you how many times I've dealt with the TV bracket situation. Like That's a that fixture. happens on electrical, every deal. Electrical I mean, lines almost ugh. had a deal blow up in my face. I represented a buyer and they at the closing table the seller's like, Oh, I want to take that. And it's like that's included. Well, first of all, yeah. most of those are custom made. So no, exactly. It was the weirdest thing. A deal, yeah, deal almost blew up because of it. I mean we And as far as what Matt just said about the T V bracket on the yeah, wall, that's a big bone of contention. Eight. That's a fixture. So you've got to identify up front that is a fixture, but it's my television, including the rack on the wall. It's coming with me. I will patch the holes, but it's coming with me. But if you don't discuss it, it gets effed up, quite frankly. and Have a conversation up front so you, so you don't have those 100%. problems. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. To teach the masses. I actually did a deal with a huge... <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> I did deal with like a top 10 broker in all of New York City who fought with me. I was representing the buyer who fought with me about the seller taking the brackets and taking them off. Absolutely. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like that is the property of the seller. Like my buyers obviously didn't want it. And it was just the weirdest argument I've ever had in the whole business. Do all of you do all of you share the sentiment with me? Wouldn't you just love to see Matt in these kinds of yes contests yes. with oh you know I'd love to be a little fly racket on the wall, on the wall. yeah racket on the wall for a television and I can only just imagine I used to sit next to him in in one of my my uh, past days and I used to hear his phone conversation he's really very good but you know you get rattled sometimes with these things and I can only imagine what must <laughs> I always you know, say, I think you should put Wheezy and I in a room uh, and just like both of us be talking to different brokers. <laughs> we love Wheezy. Anyway, so so co-op boards and condo boards are getting very difficult these days. Okay. And one would say in a market that's not so great, why are condo and co-op boards becoming even more difficult than ever before? 30 seconds left. Well, co-ops want to make sure that their maintenance is going to get paid without any problem. The building is not going to be responsible for any shortfall. Well, that's what they say. But is that what they practice? I don't know about that. I, I'm surprised these days about condo boards changing their subletting rules, condo their subletting policies. Yeah. It's very, um, I was just talking to one of Jordan's teammates about, uh, you know, a listing they had in Harlem and it, the condo doesn't allow any subletting. 
And and I'm like, wow. I mean, it's a it's a condo, so it's it's just fascinating. Against the grain. Of, I have a buyer who wants to live condos. in a condo who doesn't want to have any dogs in the building. And I said, well, you can't live in a condo because condos have flexible, open pet policies. Maybe some co-ops. I don't want to live in a co-op. I want to live in a condo, but I can't have. I cannot get in the elevator and have a dog in the elevator with me. It sounds ridiculous. Good luck. I said, well, then maybe you need to move to the burbs, okay, and have your own front door and your own yep. sidewalk and not have to worry about dogs. Yes. I mean, I, this, is re- this is real. Tell him to take the freight. It's yeah. idea. Okay, we're over. That's our broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks uh, for joining us. Thank you. Thank you to, thank you to <laughs> Lori Cohen for joining us hey, in this crazy studio. Love you, Lori. And my panel, as always, shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And the only person you should try to be better than is the person you were yesterday. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, thanks for joining us. And I'll see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones.